If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. I feel like I'm a little bit of an intuitive teacher. I'm always processing, and maybe it's the experience of homeschooling for so long, but I'm always processing, what is the best way to say this to somebody? In fact, a learning experience for myself isn't complete until I figured out how to teach it to somebody else. So, oh, okay, so here's how you do that and cut that. That's why I'm always, I'm always filming demos. I'm always doing live demos and stuff because I'm learning and I want to express what I've learned. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. My guest today is Jenny K. Parks. I'm your host, Susan Smith, and I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. And if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil with needle and thread attached at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. They're on the first and third Friday of every month, and they are usually one project from start to finish in real time, and they're streamed live, so they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm working on it. So I invite you to join me there again the first and third Friday of every month. The quilting community, as I'm sure you already know, is so diverse, so colorful, and supportive. So I invite you to listen in as we meet a new quilter each week and hear their stories. Today's Pins and Needles is brought to you by The Will and Dave Show. Hi, I'm the Will half of The Will and Dave Show, a short little podcast that Myself and the eponymous Dave like to record talking about the things that really matter to us, whether that's social, political, or pop culture. Usually we don't see eye to eye, but more often than not, we can find some common ground in there somewhere. And now, back to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. My tip today has to do with fitness, because isn't that why you're listening to this podcast? Many quilters put a lot of effort into making their working space super efficient so they can sit at their sewing machine and sew and just swivel their top half and press and then swivel to the other side and trim. I kind of take a different approach. I think physically it's not a good thing for us to sit in our chair and not move very many muscles for hours at a time. So I purposely keep my ironing space and my cutting space some steps away. It does indeed take me a little longer to make a quilt, but then again, I have to get up and move and I've really reduced the risk of deep vein thrombosis. And I'm sure you'll agree, that's a good thing. You know I love my coffee. In fact, I've got a fresh pot brewing right now. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash stitched by Susan. 
There for the price of one delicious coffee, you are able to make a one-time contribution or sign up for a monthly one if you so desire. Thank you so much for your support. I really appreciate it. And maybe take a moment now to refill your cup as you settle back to enjoy today's interview. Jenny K. Parks is enthusiastic, smiling, and colorful. In fact, she's coordinated her interview for this audio-only podcast. Her clothes coordinate with the quilt that's hanging behind her. That's how passionate she is about color and its appeal. Jenny Kay homeschooled for many years, and now she's honed those teaching skills to teach quilters to develop their own eye for color and style. Let's welcome her now. Jenny Kay, I am so happy to have you in the studio today. I am thrilled to be here, Susan. This is really exciting. I listen to podcasts all the time, so it's really exciting to be a part of one. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I talk to quite a lot of quilters who don't. In fact, some who are like, podcast? What's a podcast? And I'm like, oh, you are missing out on treasures. What are some of your favorites? Oh, my, um, okay. Well, I'm, I'm a bit of a true crime person. So okay, I'll, that, I'll listen that to must a lot go of hand crime. in glove with quilting. It must. I know, it right? Must. <laughs> okay, keep and going. Then, yeah, and, and I have another... Uh, okay, this is going to sound like really out there, but it's called Blurry Creatures. And they start... It starts talking about Bigfoot and like, who is Bigfoot? What is Bigfoot? And all these things. And they just dive into so many different um, cryptid animals, so many different historical mysteries and all those kinds of things. And I, I'm really enjoying that podcast as well. So yeah, a, a lot of true crime. I kind of cycle through and listen to a lot of different ones. But right now, my favorite podcast is Blurry Creatures. Okay. <laughs> Nothing it's, against your podcast at all. I just... <laughs> oh no. It just goes to show you that there is a niche for absolutely everyone. Like who would have imagined I'll do a podcast about blurry creatures and that will be a raving success. But you know, there's yes! a story everywhere. I know it. I know it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to give a shout out to one that I recently found that I think Ooh. is newer and maybe you haven't heard of it and it's called Sugar Coated okay. Murders. <gasps> Ooh, okay. I'm writing that down. So it's two sisters and you know, it is a true crime story, but in between, they're baking something delicious. And they're Southern gals, and they're hysterical. So, yeah, that's a good one to listen to. Okay. So there you go. Totally subscribing to that. So let's get back to quilting. That was, that was a fun rabbit trail, though. But let's get back to quilting. Um, where did you get started, Jenny Kay? Have you been, like, quilting and sewing all your life, or is this a recent invention, or, or how did that go for you? So... I really started quilting in um, the year 2000. Okay. I uh, was homeschooling my daughters, and the next, we were doing this home ec kind of course, and the next thing up was quilted placemats. And I thought, oh gosh, I, I better make some so I know what I'm doing. And I did it, and I was fascinated with how they, they have you pick like six, it was six fabrics, and you go from light to dark. Well, that's what I picked anyway. I picked light to dark. And I was able to arrange a gradation of the fabrics on these silly little placemats. And I just fell in love with all the possibilities. Now, but sewing and love of fabric and everything like that has been in my, th that's been around for a long, long time. In fact, my after school job in high school was working at Sofro Fabrics. So love I've been it. around fabric and sewing and things like that for a long, long time, but not quilting. 
and you know when i got it i was absolutely hooked i'd go to the library and as my kids would be running around picking out books and everything i would you know take the limit how many can i check out on one subject 10 okay so i'd take out 10 <laughs> of of quilting and i'd just go home and read them and enjoy it and learn so much that way so I caught on to something in there that I didn't have in my list of questions, but now I want to know more about it. You were a homeschooler because I was too for a lot of years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I did it a total of 14 years, um, seven when I was a single mom. So I would do like in-home care and things like that so that I could be around my kids. And then seven while they were, you know, going through high school and finishing up there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm, I did mm -hmm. that for a lot of years. I enjoyed it's, it very much. Yeah. It's a process. And I find it interesting that you have now come into teaching, come into your own in teaching. And so am I doing the same thing. And I never thought of myself as a teacher when I was homeschooling and I did it for 15 years. Uh -huh. But there is a whole ton that you learn about how to explain, how to make things step by step, how to present things in multiple ways. And, you know, we didn't even realize it. We were just trying to help our poor kids, you know, survive school with us, right? Exactly. Exactly. So my younger daughter, she's a, she's as stubborn as the day is long. I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to call it strong-willed, but she is a determined little thing. And if she wants to go off in one direction, you know, you can't say to her, no, you can't do that right. You can't like put up a wall because then she's going to hit against that wall. So you have to kind of take an oblique sideways approach, you know, and, and so kind of get her to change her mind. And, but yeah, all the, so they were so different from me that having to learn how to teach what's going to be the best way to get this thing across. And one thing I did really realize about myself when I was uh, teaching them, when I was homeschooling is that I, I feel like I'm a little bit of an intuitive teacher at heart. I'm always processing, and maybe it's the experience of homeschooling for so long, but I'm always processing what is the best way to say this to somebody. In fact, for me, a learning experience for myself isn't complete until I figured out how to teach it to somebody else. I said, oh, okay, so here's how you do that and cut that. That's why I'm always, I'm always filming demos. I'm always doing live demos and stuff because I'm learning and I want to express what I've learned. But that is, that's so right on. Years of doing that really, really hone your, your teaching skills. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yes, it sure does. I saw too in your bio that you have gone through some level of Toastmasters. Now, I know very little about Toastmasters other than it has to do with public speaking. Can you tell me what, what it, that experience was like and what you feel like it did for you? Sure. Okay, so first I'll, I'll say I, I'm a bit of a ham. Uh, I've had <laughs> acting training. I've had um, training in improv and those kinds of things. But Toastmasters really helps you hone your skills. Think of it as like a speaking club, a club where you can go and practice your speaking skills. Just like a quilting guild, right? Or a bee, you go and you practice and everything. Uh, Toastmasters Club, they have different books and things that you work through, but you practice speaking with everybody that's there. So I, it helped me a lot to uh, hone my skills and see, and you're supposed to not use uhs and ums and mm -hmm. space fillers. I still do that. I still struggle with that. But you work through books, you give speeches, you play different parts in the guild, uh, in the in the Toastmasters meetings, and then you can compete. So I got up to the local competition levels. Um, that's as that's as far as I went. But I do feel like it 
helped me hone and kind of narrow down something. Mm -hmm. And when you need to sit down because you got nothing to say, or when you <laughs> have a lot to say and how to narrow it, how to focus on your audience, so many things that can be learned from Toastmasters. I, if anybody wants to do video, I highly recommend they spend some time with Toastmasters. It would help tremendously. Yeah. I find that really interesting. And I'm going to look into that for myself because I love teaching too, but I think there's always, there's always room for improvement. So whether it's learning how to tell stories or learning how to do your beginning, middle, end so that it's understandable, because we're usually instructing, right, in the type of industry mm -hmm. we're in. So that's really important that you know how to organize steps and, and convey it. So yeah, I find that really, really interesting. Absolutely. Oh, go for it. Go for it. You, you won't regret it being a Good. part of Toastmasters. Good. I will take your advice and look into that. <laughs> so what other things do you love to do or is quilting it? Uh, well, I enjoy gardening. We moved to this new house. We were in a townhome for a long time, no place to garden, but we moved to this house a few years ago. And I have loved working outside and trying to grow things trying to grow things. I emphasize that because I'm not always successful <laughs> at it. <laughs> uh, I like to do a little bit of knitting. One of the local quilt shops that I worked in for a while had uh, a knitting knitting side to the store. So I like to do a little bit of that. But um, yeah, I'll be honest, I, I like to watch a lot of TV. I do. I like, I like to watch crime shows and I like to watch all those things on TV. So I guess if television is a hobby and Sure I know is. that doesn't make me well viewed. I mean, <laughs> Lily Tomlin years ago, she said, she said, you know, if you if you read a lot of books, you're considered well read. But if you watch a lot of TV, you're not considered well viewed. And I I think that's true. But I I watch a lot of stuff and I enjoy that. And, you know, I enjoy sitting back with my husband and my dogs and stuff like that and just enjoying, you know, watching so what, something. Fun. What do we call the podcast listeners? Well heard? Well listened? Ooh. Yeah, well, I like well, well heard. Well heard oh. rolls off the tongue the best. I think we'll come that I like one. that. Well heard. I like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what got me asking about your other hobbies was, you know, I'm scrolling through your Instagram feed and I see mm -hmm. rhubarb pie, which is my ultimate favorite. And I see that you're growing rhubarb. So I have to ask, have you ever made rhubarb chutney? Rhubarb chutney. So I've made something called Victoria sauce, which is a rhubarb barbecue sauce. And okay. that has rhubarb and, and grapes and stuff like that. Ooh, and that it's sounds so good, good too. A chutney so is like that. halfway between jam and relish, would you say? I think so. It's it's sweet. It's got a lot of sugar in it, but it's also got the vinegar and the spices and the savory flavors. And rhubarb chutney is, to me, the best. You can, you know, there's peach chutney and all the things, but that tart uh -huh. rhubarb is so good. I want the recipe. Send me okay, the recipe. Let's, okay, let's swap okay. recipes after we're done here. Okay. okay? All right. <laughs> All right. So I first um, was became acquainted, I guess, with you, Jenny Kay, on your YouTube channel. You have this mm -hmm. gorgeous looking series all about color. Tell oh, us yes. more about that. I am I'm passionate about color. Some people have like an intuitive color gift. They just know what's going to go together and what will coordinate. I mean, if you know, I mean, people listening can't see this, but but my my outfit today is coordinated with the quilt behind me. I do that is how that. committed I am to color. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got a whole lot of people, more people even, who say, I can't do color. I don't have an eye for color. What do you say to that person? Exactly. So 
I really began to discover, to discover that when I was working in a local quilt shop. The question I would get most throughout the day is help with color. Mm -hmm. Help me pick out the fabrics for my quilt. I can't find something that will go with this. How do you coordinate with this focal fabric? What do I need to do? And just feeling lost and discouraged. And so I realized that, oh, this is not an intuitive thing for a lot of people. I would say most of the people uh, struggle with color in one aspect for an or another. So I, over the years, I developed what I call the Quilters Color Course. It is an online course and you can take it right now in your jammies and well, after you're done listening to the podcast, of course, and it has, it has five lessons and exercises that go with them and extra credit and everything, but it's designed specifically for the quilter to help you develop your own color eye. So when I'm working in the stores, right, and people come in and say, can you help me figure this out? I'm the one who helps you leave with fabric that you love, with a combination mm -hmm. that you're just so excited to work with. And I love teaching that to people. My course and, and the workshops that I do, Color Courage uh, workshop, and I have a Color Courage lecture, it is all about helping quilters learn how to match fabric. It is not for painters. It's not It's not a, um, a home decorating course or something like that. It's specific to quilters, specific to fabric, and teaches you how you're going to do it. And it's really been a tremendous course. I think and the big few... key there to me, the huge key is anybody can learn how to do it. There are principles, right? Absolutely. And guidelines. Absolutely. And I mean, there's your own flair for sure, but there are yes. principles and anybody can learn those and apply them and feel confident about their choices. Yes. Yes. Develop your own color eye. And that's, I, I'm in the middle of a work along. So throughout the year, I offer work alongs for anybody who's purchased the course and I'm in the middle of it. And people are saying, oh, oh, and now I see that. I didn't see that before, but now I see it now. And they're able to make color choices that they're confident about and try different things that they might not have tried before, but that they're confident about. So it guides them through that. And I, I love that. That is my most rewarding and energizing classes to teach and to talk about because I really see people just a change, just a tremendous information that they gain from it and a change kind of comes over them and what they're able to do. It's very exciting. Very cool. It's one of the characteristics I think of quilt making is that there is this incredible range. We say that, you know, I'm a quilt maker, but there are, you know, there's the calico soft pastel people. There's the bright and bold people. There's the solids. There's the negative space, right? So the right. trick is to develop your eye and know what you like. And I think your color um, idea is absolutely critical to that. It's huge. Yeah. And I always try to emphasize to my students that, you're the designer. How you make it, that's how it's supposed to be. So don't just rely on, this is what I saw in the magazine, this is what my auntie likes or whatever. You're the designer. What do you like? What, what color combinations speak to you? When you put these things together, what do you like? Do you like that or do you not like that? And I also encourage them, encourage quilters, don't stop until the combination is something that you love, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes I have a lot of people, you know, oh, I just buy the kit because this is too much of a hassle, you know, but create working a little bit and creating a color combination that you love and you look at it, and you go, oh, that's it. I love yeah. that. 
I mean, kids are a wonderful, wonderful thing. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. Other people are making the exact same quilt. How much better Mm -hmm. to take something similar to that kit, you know, and make it your own, put your own personality and stamp on that. Right. Love that idea. Yes. I saw something else in your feed that I was curious about. You were making a cloth book for your grandchild, it looked like. Oh, yes. I wondered if you talk a little bit more about that. I have all the makings for one, and I kind of don't know where to start. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I'm. this is my first time making one of those, and oh I'm just reading the directions. I know, right? Oh, boy. Okay, so I'm just reading the directions, and... Well, you're um, ahead of me, because mine yeah. doesn't come with directions. It is just a panel, period. Oh, no, there's no directions? Mm-mm, no. Yikes. That's why I'm okay. asking you. Okay. <laughs> How about I take a picture of my directions and send them to you? Maybe that will oh, that help you help figure too. it out. <laughs> okay, but just give me, like, three sentences. Are you putting, you know, fluffy so... batting in the layers? Do you sew and then turn? Yeah. yeah. So what you do is you take the pages that are going to be back to back. And okay, so you take one page. So this, I'll, you take the cover page, for example, okay. and it has the front and the back cover. And then you baste the, just, you can use interfacing, but I'm using slightly fluffy batting um, with, with a low loft, but a polyester one. Okay. And uh, then, then you baste that to the back cover and then right sides together, you're going to put the next pages that will face the, mm-hmm. the, um, cover and then stitch all around and turn you Got trim, it. trim your corners and then turn and continue on until you've assembled all of them that way. So, so is it, is we'll it, see. one assumes it's washable and cleanable, right? That's the beauty yes. of a cloth book. Yes. And that is my assumption beamed over the head with it or anything like that. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Too fun. Yeah. So what, what book are you doing? Is it one that we would know? It's it's the Beatrix Potter and Jemima Puddle Duck. Oh, how fun. Where, yes. I love that. I have that. the pokey and, little puppy, the golden book, oh, the pokey little puppy. Oh, I love that book. Oh, I yeah, love that book. I thought too. So, I could not resist, even though it didn't have directions. <laughs> Well, if you need help, I'll I'll send you a picture of my directions. Maybe that will help you. <laughs> Fantastic. So have you got any things on the horizon you want to tell us about? Classes that are up and coming? I don't know. Are you are you a pattern designer? I'm not even sure about that. I am. I am. I have a pattern line. I don't have any specific pattern that's coming out right now, but I've got I've got um if, if, yeah, several different patterns. I have a series that is on curved piecing without pins. Oh. I I know. I am an anti-pinner. And if I don't <laughs> have to pin, I don't want to. So I have developed a method where you can do beautiful curved piecing without pins. That's and awesome. I, I, I teach several different blocks like that. And then there's also a, a booklet that I put together that will take you through the three three basic curve blocks, Rob Peter to Pay Paul, Drunkard's Path, and Wheel of Mystery. So I take you through all of those, all without pins, or you can do so I'm not familiar with Wheel of Mystery. Do those have different different curvature? You know, some are more gentle curves than others, or why would it be different to have three different kinds of curved pieces? So Wheel of Mystery, or sometimes it's called Four Leaf Clover, or something like that. But if you think if you're looking at the quilt block, it looks like you have a cone with a scoop of ice cream on the top on all four corners. Okay. So it's just the angles of all the curves. Some okay. of them are a bit more dramatic and putting the whole block together, it's pretty complicated. That makes sense. So that's why you need 
That's why you would need to look at the three different curves. Some are more dramatic. That was a great yes. way to describe it. Good. Yes, absolutely. Good. Yeah. And it sounds like, obviously, you have a YouTube channel. You also have online classes. Do you do you um, present to guilds and groups as well? I do. I love. I love doing that. I, I, I can love see that. that in your eyes. I knew you'd want to talk. <laughs> I knew you'd want to talk about that. So. Um, yeah, I love love teaching to guilds. Last month I went to Lee's Summit in in Missouri, and it was so much fun to be with people again. You know what I mean? Last couple of years has been challenging mm-hmm. to do that, but I also love the opportunity of being able to to lecture and teach via Zoom because I can be I can be in Washington. In Seattle, Washington, in the morning, and I can be in Boston in the afternoon and do that. And I love that. And there's that. no jet lag. No jet lag, right? <laughs> so I, you know, I love that. I love that, and I love teaching the workshops and offering uh, um, retreats. I'm looking into that, being able to offer kind of retreat packages to guilds and stuff. If you're looking for a retreat, so and, are you yeah, thinking love- like you would go to them and and host or present at their retreat or do you right are you thinking of hosting retreats i'm thinking of both susan oh, i'm excited okay. i'm excited is this I'm, a I'm secret or can we ask oh i'm sorry one more is time. it is it a secret or can i ask what kind of retreats are you looking at hosting i well probably a color focused retreat that's because that's probably most what I'm known like for a mountain cabin or, you know, a sleek contemporary hotel or what kind so of setting? I'm in Denver mm-hmm. and Golden is just a classic, uh, think classic mountain town. If you've never been to Colorado or whatever, it's a classic mountain town. And there are a couple places that would be perfect for retreats just up the hill from Golden. And so I'm thinking about doing that. I have, there's still a lot of details and everything to work out, but it was something I'd love to do and spend a whole weekend doing color and working on your own projects or whatever, kind of back and forth. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to do that. that I'm, I'm looking into really, it. really fun. And that's a great location because everything flies oh, yeah. into Denver. So yes. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. All right. Well, this has been just invigorating. But before well, we go, you. I have mm-hmm. to ask, do you have a little gem that you'd like to leave with our listeners about life or love or craft or whatever you like? Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's that's a good one. Um, a little gem. Well, I, I notice your, your kind of logo there is measure twice, cut once. And I tend to tell people in, in my classes, I said, measure once, go buy more fabric. My dad used to say, cut it twice and it's still too short. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the big encouragement that I would have, again, going back to what I said before, is that you are the designer. And how you make it is how it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be like somebody else's picture on Pinterest or Instagram. It's not supposed to be like it is in the magazine. It's supposed to be a part of you. It's your an expression of your passions, your creativity, your persistence, all those things. So make it, make it your own. You're the designer. How you make it is how it is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it art. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jenny Kay, ever so much. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. We'll do it again sometime. Love to. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and review on the listening app of your choice? 
And please, please do share this episode with your friends that you think would enjoy it. I'd love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, or you are one, email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>